Hi everyone, welcome back to Get Out of Rap, the Contact Centre Chat podcast. It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, it's weird, it makes me feel like I should apologise. Uh, Nicola, I know I was uh, due to do some recording with you and your colleagues, hopefully we can still get that back on track. Um, and for those that have enjoyed listening and have missed the regular updates, uh, hopefully you're still listening. Thanks for bearing with me. I guess like everyone, you have kind of um, ups and downs during lockdown. It's been strange, isn't it? I think for me, this has always been a, a hobby and something I do outside of the, the day job, which has meant it's kind of been easier to drop. I'm not beholden to any sponsors or or boss if you like um i've never done this for the money if you saw my credit card statement you'd think that was probably a bad decision but um this has always been just about sharing conversations with really good people in the industry and talking about an industry that hopefully we we all love um so it's good to be back and what better way to start than by talking to Helen, who also works with me at BPA Quality. She's been on twice before, so this is a hat trick. Um, if you listen to the other two, you'll know Helen's got a great mind. She's always interesting. And hopefully you will enjoy this and speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. We're recording. Boom. We're live. How many times now is this that you've been on? Going for the hat trick. No, it's more. It's, I thought it was four. Is this the fourth? Or is this the third? This is the third. Is it? It's a hat trick. have to get you a special get out of rap football or something. Yes, please. Helen Beaumont Manahan, a.k.a. Helen Elizabeth, a.k.a. Helen of BPA Quality. How <laughs> are you? I'm very well, thank you, Martin Teasdale <laughs> of BPA Quality fame. I was doing, um, I went to a Spanish class last night and had to do my asking what your surname is and then spell it using the Spanish alphabet. Yeah. And it was just another time when I begrudged having a long surname. It's not quite as long as yours, but spelling it in Spanish was hard work. And the person that I was working with, um his guess at what i'd said he said your surname is quelldells <laughs> yes i just yes, couldn't be like, i couldn't yeah. be bothered to argue back or to inform him back in spanish that was wrong i just said yeah see <laughs> so this guy now <laughs> thinks my name is martin quelldells so other than all but all of us going a bit mad in um this <sighs> Don't is see you normal. Don't see you normal. No, I was going to say, is it a lockdown? Who knows? Go in, go out. Don't go in, don't go out. Um, what has piqued your interest in our in our world? What are we talking about? Um, I'm loving seeing the appetite for training and development is still there. Definitely, we're we're getting lots of um, requests in from our customers. Definitely, and and um, just just you know out there in the the wider um industry i can see lots of lots of excitement about various new kind of online platforms in terms of, of training solutions so that's great do you think some of that is because 
companies or leaders are trying to think, well, we, we need to keep people interested and, and, and delivering some sort of training makes a connection to work. You know, recognizing that people are remote, it's keeping people, let, even though you're at home, I think the opportunity to be bored is probably greater. Was that? I'm I'm just I'm just reflecting on that. Yeah, potentially that's an element of it. I also think that there's an element of what can we do? What can we do? How can we be agile? How can we flex? How can we meet evolving needs? You know, put my jargon hat on evolving customer needs in the changing landscape, you know. Um, And yeah, and and one of the obvious ways to do that is, is through training and development, I suppose. So, yeah. And then the other thing is just really the amount of conversation around different metrics, different KPIs that people are using to keep tabs or, or to attempt to keep tabs on what is ultimately completely uncharted territory for everybody. So in that sense, should we have a little, can we have a little count in the corner to say, you know, those kind of, you know, bingo, uh, this, this bullshit bingo, <laughs> um, this unprecedented situation, Martin, in which we find ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How how are we measuring uh, performance, and how are we measuring um, the sentiment of our, our customer base in this time, and how well are we showing up for them? So, so yeah. let's let's talk about that second point then, and kind of are we talk just customer experience metrics, and you would think, wouldn't you, or you would expect to see, especially on places like LinkedIn companies scrambling to understand um, what's happening, how their customers are responding to their amended service. What's been your read of it then? Yeah, there's lots of talk that I've seen around, you know, know, the the merits of of different measures and, you know, the the CSATs and the NPS scores and what have you of this world. And one thing that I'd always, maybe it's just a personal thing, but, but, you know, unless you've got control over all the kind of other factors within your business, which I'd argue you don't, um, you know, price, product, you know, the, the level of service, the, the brand, the advertising that you've got going on, all of those things, then then you, you're really running the risk of, of being measured on things that sit outside of your direct sphere of influence. So um, there's lots of reasons why they are good, you know, I'm not gonna, gonna go into all, all the different pros and cons of them here, but one thing that I notice uh, is that yeah, there's a lot of pontification maybe around these metrics, which is the right one, you know, how much, how often. Um, but what you never really hear is, is people saying or, or referencing the kind of the value of a, of a skilled QA resource within your business, if you see what I mean. So that's to me is, is a key a key thing that's been missed in the, the, the conversations that I'm, I'm seeing. And I don't know what your experience of that is. I think there's a lot there. There's a there's a lot there, isn't there? Just kind of we well, we, me and you have worked on projects where cus- companies have said our externally provided, often CSAT or NPS measures don't align or tell us something completely different than our internal QA scores are telling us. How can you help us understand why? And, you know, just taking a cursory look at why that is often shows they're asking different customers different questions at different points in their journey. 
it's actually more of a surprise if they were aligned, right? Um, I, I, I absolutely buy into the um, pontification around discussing customer experience and how we measure it and trying to find the right way often, more often than not, unless one of us is, is party to that conversation, I think, or someone else from a QA, QA world, QA is never even considered mm-hmm. as, to, you know, having a seat at that table and it's mental. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder if that's a historical view of QA. You know, we, we always speak about the business police, the sales prevention police, you know, the kind of someone coming along with a red pen and marking down our interactions in a very kind of tick box measured way. But I think that perception is definitely changing. We We know that from our conversations with some of the great people that, that we um that we regularly hold but yeah your your qa team are, are really that they should be the doers they should be kind of the, the the cx champions within your business if you like so um you know all of those metrics that we've that we're kind of considering here come in and out of vogue <laughs> they've got their advocates they've got their detractors uh, and they're all massively valuable i'm sure in their own way if they're used you know intelligently and, um, and with enough thought and groundwork and again there's like a whole constellation of factors on there about things that can throw those kind of programs and indeed those metrics of course but if anyone's hanging their hat routinely on on a, on a favorite measure then uh, they, they might be kind of potentially led a bit astray. And they, they, these things can give you false reads, you're right. And they don't always tie up. Um, so, you know, think about what your QA team can tell you that, that's happening right now. Um, and are they upskilled and empowered enough to be able to do that? So it's about kind of, you know, placing your QA function at the heart of your business. Um, they do know what's going on in your business, even if they're not being tasked with, with feeding that back to you um you know they know your values they, they know the, the measures and uh that they who better really to assess kind of you know the moments of truth for your customers uh, and find out how you're measuring up i love that i've just i've just you and me always kind of love having a little analogy um i've just had one go on so this is like your so your operation is a submarine it's just been right. dropped. It's just been dropped in an ocean, right? Yeah. You're you're the captain. Cool. You go. <laughs> it's cool. Stay away from the uh, nuclear t- torpedoes. Um, you go to your navigator, the person, the people on sonar. That kind of the not flight deck. What's it called? I don't know. Brig. <laughs> the brig. Yeah. No, isn't it the bridge? The bridge. The bridge. Yeah. Engaged. You go there, yeah, and you're asking. You'd be asking that team, "What's happening?" And you, you know that. And for me, that's that's the QA team, because rather than talking, because they're not going to just reply loads of numbers and KPIs, are they? They're going to give you a summary of where the submarine is. What the are you safe? Where are you going? Are there any threats? It, it just in my mind i just kind of visualized someone that's been leading an operation she goes into the qa team i know everyone's remote now but for this yeah. kind of visual image she goes into the qa team and she says what's happening it's not necessarily looking at a number or a stat and just i think sometimes that disarms qa leaders 
because they're not necessarily always expected for an opinion, a knowledgeable opinion based on what their team are, are finding out. But that's what I would want to know right now over and above necessarily looking at CSAT or MPS. I'd want to look at QA as well as that. But invariably that for me would be what's happening. Tell me what's happening out there or what's changed, if anything. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. And, and whether you're, We can still you're, be on the submarine whilst you want. Oh, you know, no, no, I'm, 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 that's it for the rest of this. this we're in a submarine. Um, we're in a submarine, definitely, definitely. Uh, that goes without saying. <laughs> but, but back to your, uh, to your very pertinent point, um, submarine chat aside. Um, yeah, well, we talk about, don't we, the, the, you know, the QA sphere of influence and, and the fact that in an enlightened organisation, the, the QA should be up front and centre. That's, oh God, can we mix our metaphors? And, and yeah. Talk about, okay, so the queen on the chessboard analogy then, and, and uh, anyone who has heard either of us speak at, at any length will probably have their eyes glazed over at this point, <laughs> because this is one of our greatest chips, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to Martin Teasdale for, for coming up with this all queen or whatever your name is. Quailstails. <laughs> Quailstails, that's the one. Um, but Quailstails, anyway. <laughs> okay. Take a moment, HBM, focus. So, so, so yeah, so the idea of the, the QA sphere of influence, if you've got your QA function where they should be as a, you know, one of the biggest listening posts in your business and not in a siloed kind of dungeon somewhere and just surface once a month to, to give the... the you know, yeah, we're green, and then go back down again. Um, then really, they can move anywhere and have multiple touch points right across your organisation, like the, the the queen on the chessboard. So they can move in any direction and, and be the, the the primary listening post for for your business. So they should be there to provide insights. Whether you're empowering them to do that and and the the, uh, the measures you've got in place in order to 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 funnel those insights to the right parts of your business is is another point. But essentially, then they are—they are the eyes and ears of you of, of your operation, and, and they can be like your business brain or your business conscience. You know, particularly if you're in a in an environment where adherence is important, then they, they can be—they can keep you honest, as it were, <laughs> and also advocate for both your customers, but also for the aims and aspirations of of, of your business as a whole. So all the other metrics in the world, kind of, in my view, pale in comparison to to your QA team. Because they can bring them all to life if you if you've got them going on brilliant as long as they to your point have a seat at the table they can uh, make them meaningful they can give you a, a different read and i i'd argue the real read of where you are as a company and how you are showing up for your customers so if you're linking that data with the other measures uh, that's that's one way to get ahead um, and that really shows that, you know you can be really clear then on, on where you are delivering and how you're delivering on customer outcomes what are the things that um surprises me just based on what you're talking about there kind of getting different data to read where you're at for your customers is it surprises me how disparate um a lot of contact centers are in as much as that the qa function don't often have or readily they don't often readily have available csat nps data as part of their dashboard it's not it it just doesn't operate in that way that if you're leading qa that you get fed csat info to be able to then present this fully holistic considered position as to where your 
operation is performing when it comes to customers because you'd think that's such a you, you can we there's a lot of debate about pros and cons of csat mps all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff but it, nonetheless even with even if it's not an optimum process it's still valuable information but it seems to me it's that information is best placed even if it's not led by your leader of qa it's part of their world so that they can ask they can answer those questions in a more rounded way and, and that, that's the key point it's, it's another lens it's another lens into you know the realities of, of of what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve and what you are achieving for, for customers and, and for the business as a whole so yeah totally agree so we kind of yeah you want to round out that picture um but also make sure that you are inviting your QA team to, to have these discussions. And I, I wonder how many businesses out there, they don't, they don't get a seat at that table to use your yet another analogy. <laughs> what, <laughs> what would you say to someone else then about who I was, who was asking, what are the differences then in your experience from QA and all of the CSAT type measures? Well, I find it easier to to turn QA results into improvement actions. And I mean, obviously, you're going to get a lot of hopefully um, valuable verbatim from from any customer listening program. But but don't underestimate the voice of the, the customer kind of insights that you can get from your, your own QA team as well. If you don't have a big, sophisticated um, program, dependent on you know the size of your business, for example, you might be quite a relatively small operation and um, you've just got your QA function, uh, you can give them an ambitious goal to, to kind of, you know, look outside, look beyond the, the forms, whatever score forms you're using and uh, tell us, tell us monthly what you're hearing from the customers or even, you know, day to day, if it's, uh, it's going to be something really pertinent that could drive a, a, a real tangible improvement for, for customers and, and to your, your team. It's, uh, do you think that CSAT measures emotions more than QA or QA measures adherence to a process, one versus the other, or can there be elements of both in each of the other? Depends on how skillful you are in designing your, your quality framework, really. You can capture anything that you so desire as long as you've got a team of people that are adequately trained, that they understand the why, they're on board, you know, it comes back, it sounds really corny, but that everybody has to be really steeped and imbued in the, the company values to be able to have that steer and, and make those human decisions and, and judgment calls on, on whether this does or doesn't meet your your brand, your, your voice, uh, and what you ultimately want in terms of direction. So, yeah, it, it's all in that it, you could show a um, hundred different quality programs. I'd love to see those. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they'd all have, you know, different, different, different ways of going about things to, to varying degrees of success. So it really does depend on how it's set up and then how it's managed and continually refined going forward. And key to that is, again, that sphere of influence and, and engaging other parts of your business and then incorporating that with your customer data routinely and being open to learn and listen. Okay, so it's not a case of just not liking what you're hearing, so you discount it. And it's the same again, I guess, with you know, any programs, whether it be you know a mystery shopping program or, or the results from a new um, 
kind of line of business that you're, you're, you're monitoring through your, the course of your quality monitoring. If you don't like the results, don't don't turn to blind don't turn a blind ear or a blind eye to them. Really, you know, be brave and, and figure out why that is. I love that point around everyone needs to be steeped in the company values or what it is you are trying to achieve for your customer. Because I think it it doesn't take long, does it, to add so much complexity and so much noise and so much distance between your operating um functions the distance from them to what you're actually trying to achieve and that you just spend all this time churning through all of this data when in fact it's that it's it's that concept isn't it of will it make the boat go faster that very singular clear question that brings everyone back to um what the purpose of what your whole operation is about yeah um and again you would you say that that's better done through qa than anything else then well i would but i'm i'm biased Uh, (laughs) but no i i would and and again it it really depends what what you're ultimately trying to measure and and um the the data that you get from that will massively depend on on your business but i i think we're all humans right we're all customers we're consumers and there are some some universal truths uh, about what we want to be measuring so yeah, it will depend, but but ultimately some things are, are constant and I think should be at the, the, a fundamental at the heart of most QA programmes. Have there been any other sort of key changes that you've seen as a result of this improved new normal? There it is, ding. <laughs> we haven't been keeping this up on this, have we? Um, what, from a QA perspective? Yeah, well, anything. Uh, I, I don't think the, the impact of, um, of remote working can be underestimated, really. But also, I just think, A, we've started to see the stats coming through about the, the sheer jumps in productivity overall um, for, for you know those that are still lucky enough to be in employment. And so I think that this model is here to stay, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But in terms of actual changes apart from the huge shift that all of us as humans have undergone and <laughs> been undergoing um, is about acknowledgement of, of where we are and, and what we miss and, and what makes us human and then making sure that we can then continue to deliver on that for our customers so I think that some teams and some businesses are doing that to a much greater and ultimately more effective degree than others but I'm sure that again that will be this kind of next frontier in terms of having the the competitive edge it will be about how how agile firms are being in kind of responding to the new normal and how and and the way that you can you know quickly get a a finger on that pulse and then take remedial action if needs be or or celebrate the successes and share the best practice out is through an effective qa program so if you are if you are effectively qaing your customer interactions and your, your cases routinely and then actually using that more than just you know kind of number on a dash or you know like an MPS score for example you're actually also getting the wealth of coaching feedback you know targeted kind of interventions that come off the back of skilled QA and coaching ready feedback uh, and then tracking that progress over time then then you're going to be winning and we already seen that aren't we yeah I love it I love that do you think that um there's been a greater emphasis 
on care of the employees and again QA QA teams being mindful of that or looking out for that perhaps more than they would have been when they're all maybe located in the same building so as they do as they're doing their QA work do you do you get a sense that there's more of a view on employee engagement or employee well-being or it's a, it's a lovely question. I'm really glad you asked it. I, I suppose there's two strands to it. There's the first about the, the employees, you know, working as QA uh, professionals themselves and, and looking after their well-being and the fact that we know it's a solitary job anyway, it always traditionally it has been, we know from our amazing analysts and what have you, uh, that, that it's it can be one of those jobs where you're, you're very often just reviewing interactions in what essentially has to be quite an isolated environment in order to focus in and really give it your full attention and and do do the right thing by the the person or the people that you're evaluating um, but it's even more isolating isn't it doing that for days on end from you know a, a, a potentially completely solitary location and only having your check-ins with your your team and your team leaders via whatever um means your company has has put into place for you and that's kind of the next strand isn't it it, it, it will vary dependent on the company's response to what's gone on and, and how effective the company's been or at least individual managers have been and putting those those new channels into place for people to feel less isolated to feel less alone and then in terms of, of um, thinking about that for customers um, yeah again I just think it like I can't think of that kind of thing without thinking about the agents and the analysts who are on the other side of the equation and the fact that they are now inviting everybody into their home. You used to go to the office and do your work traditionally, apart from a small percentage of home workers. Now we're all every day inviting in, into a small corner, but a, a huge psychological area of our actual lives. And that's quite vulnerable. There's a lot of vulnerability inherent in that, I think. So probably gone off i think i've turned the submarine around and i'm now <laughs> looking at a reef somewhere that i find interesting or some whales that we've seen let's surface for a bit and have a look at watch some whales <laughs> nice can, can you remember your initial question and uh, bring me back uh it was something to do with employee engagement i don't i i, I like your answer but um, i always like i always like your answers so they kind of just get comfy in your words um, <laughs> back, back on the thread now so the idea is are, are we are we seeing you know a, a more a greater focus on, on it given the, the the strains and the tribulations of the pandemic and i think uh, from the conversations that we've been having externally i think absolutely yes so people are um, that idea of compassionate QA is really coming to the fore, at least from what I've seen. Um, and certainly that's borne out by, by what we do internally as well. And I think, you know, some companies, particularly in the early days, were very agile and quick to start um, picking up um, any anything to do directly related to lockdown. So when all the agents were, were moved to a home working solution quite quickly in a lot of cases, very flexible and, and quick response to to start capturing what's the impact of this for the customer on the call over and above the score form um, but you know did, did the customer um, or the agent make any reference to 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 home working that, that might have negatively impacted that call you know can I hear a washing machine dog barking that kind of thing 
radio or is, is the um, agent on the call kind of constantly referencing being being at home as an imposition or you know with, with the full understanding that that we're all human and it's fine to to, to bring your humanity to the call yes. yeah. or that you know whatever interaction it might be on same call but email but chats carrier pigeon submarine more code yeah exactly i this whole thing is interesting isn't it because i wonder if over and above just QA, just thinking generally, a differentiator now more so than ever for companies is going to be how they evidence care for people, even when they've got scale. So if yes. they've got hundreds and hundreds of agents, thousands of agents, yeah. all at home, all with slightly different individual challenges, needs, requests, how companies can show that they care because yeah. we've seen haven't we i like to think that we're uh, at the far good end of really showing that we love our people and care for them and um there's lots of, and please do get in touch if you want to know how we're doing it because our our teams i think are doing a great job of making everyone feel loved you know and mm -hmm. looked after um all the way through to the other end where people feel alone and there's been no contact and they're just expected to get on with it. I wonder if going forward and the re it's topical for me because um, my son Taylor is look, he's finished his A-levels looking for um, looking for work and it has got applications in for our world. Mm -hmm. And when me and him have been talking, we were talking last night and this morning about the questions he may have they're now around stuff like this, given that you're going to be working at home, how are these companies going to keep you connected, show you what the company is about, make you feel involved? How has it been? How has this even just recruitment process has, has it shown you that? And if anything, I think it, certainly for him, I'd like to think he's got high emotional intelligence. The extent of instinct because for some of them, he's like, oh, I've just not enjoyed how they've interacted with me. Or, for, you know, there's one or two that he's gone, just got a really good feeling, mm -hmm. you know. And that, I think, has had to come more to the fore than bringing someone into a building. Seems like that's quite a, the, the building or how you operate it or whether people smile can yeah. do that for you. Whereas now this is a bit more proactive. You have to think about how you're engaging with your even potential employee. You're totally right. And you can, you can turn that and flip it and think about how you are presenting your, your company to, to customers as well. So both, so yeah, so your internal and your external customers, ultimately your, your new potential recruits that are going to become your internal customers, aren't they? So you've got to have the same focus in terms of um, that collective, you know, this is who we are as an organisation and this is how we show up in every interaction right from the start. So maybe one of the way, one of the routes into that and uh, to keep that sense of, of who we are as a collective is to focus on, on agent and staff training, frontline training. So that voice is so loud and so defined that, um, that it then permeates through as well. Um, I've had another thought and now it, it's, uh, it's gone, but 
yeah, that, that we are hearing a lot from our clients. I'm back on the track again now, back on the scent, <laughs> is, is that they want to know how to feed the insights that they're getting from, the, to your point, this idea of being more compassionate. How do they feed that back into what they're looking for right from the recruitment stage? But it's a really interesting idea about not just focusing in on, on the content of, um, you know, how you bring people into the business and by what metrics you define their suitability for your business and if they're a good fit, but how are we showing up when we're having those first, you know, when we're first greeting those candidates? Uh, and, and are we truly all, everyone who has the, the responsibility of doing that, are we showing up in a way that gives them the true measure of who they are as, a, as an organisation, that idea of being an ambassador? Yeah. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> My mind's going. It's, it's really interesting because it's just naturally our world is is QA, customer experience, what that means for operations, coaching, feedback, training, all of those kind of things. But that's delivered by people. Yeah. Who are also customers. I kind of. It's funny when you read some of these posts talking about CX, we do talk about customers like they're not us. Absolutely that. <laughs> and, and, and it's really interesting. I've been designing some training recently where I, that one of the, the modules is about remembering that, that it's not the customer. We are all customers. We're all human. It's that idea of that, you know, the human element, the human elephant. It's, it's key. It's but it's really like we're talking like we're sheepdogs and customers are sheep. We're all, yeah. we're all the same. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Do this and they will respond like this. Well, well, I don't feel like I would and I'm a customer, aren't I? No, no, no. You're a professional on the other side. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's just in human has interaction with human and outcome should be good and favourable and win-win. <laughs> How do we have build our processes around keeping that the way? Yeah, that's yeah. it, isn't it? Ultimately. Um, I just had another random thought. Imagine if, because it was, was it 20 or 25 years ago, a show that we love in both formats, UK and US, uh, that The Office first aired. I think it's 20. I hope it was Is 20. It? Even I think it's 20, format. yeah. Um, <laughs> let's say that, yeah. Um, you're right. Imagine if that was made now. What, during pandemic times? Yeah. Wow, Yeah. There you oh, go. Nothing idea. to do yeah. with QA. You could tell it's been a while since I've done, we've done podcasts. We're both just talking absolute gibberish. <laughs> Very true. But hopefully there's some nuggets in there somewhere. There I, I imagine there is. And actually, that does. let's just end then on maybe a teaser for a topic next time. When you talk about nuggets, we often talk. We, have, we know our, our clients respond to what has sometimes been called golden nuggets, insight. For those that maybe, and it's, it's a word that is bandied around a lot more, but I'd like to think we were talking about it years ago. What for you is insight? Big question. But how would you, what would you suggest people do if they, if they don't feel like it's prevalent in their um, QA programs other than contact BPA? <laughs> shameless plug yeah so, so insight i guess that i would define well because we, we are tasked often with, with, with training uh, the the uh, identification and provision of insights that's that's the business of the 
it's about something you said thinking earlier it's like saying be be more insightful it's like telling someone to be more professional isn't it if you just say that with no definition you're going to get if you tell that to 100 people you're going to get that someone will go and buy a business suit someone else will read a book or yeah it, it really does depend so it's about just first defining what it is and, and for us it's about anything that you your you do not know already uh, or your business doesn't know some fresh lens it's like a fresh framing of, of, of a potentially well-known uh, issue already so you're framing and then um various stages of it and don't really have time right now to go into no it, this is definitely the next topic so it's the idea of what else can you tell me that i don't already know about the business ultimately that's about some insight and to make it truly insightful there has to be at least a suggestion of, of an improvement that's the next step Helen, uh, Captain Helen, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much, and um, let's do insight very, very soon. Oh, definitely. Yes, please. Thanks. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao. For listening, uh, talking to Helen um, later on afterwards, she didn't think that was so good, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought she was excellent. Um, you just have to forgive us for rambling. We kind of forgot we were doing a podcast for a bit. Um, you don't really want polished or overly engineered, do you? Um, I only add the music in because I think it's quite funny and I like how it sounds. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it. be doing quite a few more of these. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. If you've been in touch with me in the past about coming on, please do bear with me. You can probably tell I kind of come and go on on these. Uh, I'll try and be a bit more a bit more regular. Um, but yeah, good to be back. Thanks very much. Do all those things like subscribe, review, whatever. Um, and stay safe and sane, everyone. Thanks. Bye.